Listen, listen, listen. This was one of the greatest weeks in Not Safe for Wonk's history. I know that we're all big fans of Marianne, but really, there comes a time when your branding has to have a head-on collision with the truth. And the truth is that me, politically, I want to uplift my people. And I try to listen to Mm. my people and go in the direction they're going. And, you know, I look at the polls. I look at where the Black women are. They're the beating heart of the Democratic Party. And they are all voting for Joe Biden. So, especially the older ones. And that's where the wisdom is. That's where the wisdom is. You know, it's post-age 50. Before that, you're kind of an idiot, you know. But once you hit around age 50, you start to know what the hell is going on in this world. They're back in Biden. So I'm back in Biden, too. I mean, I can't be shy about who I really am. That would not be a chill vibe. So I'm team Biden. Why are they backing Biden? Because I haven't seen these polls. First of all, he's best friends with Barack Obama. You might oh. not have known this. Right. You, I know. He doesn't like to talk about it. Like, it would come off as cheesy or opportunistic. It's news to me. Right. You guys remember Obama, right? Vaguely. When he was president. He was president? I thought he was just a senator. I'm, I'm confused. Well, he was, like, from Indiana? No, it was Illinois. But before Trump oh, got, right. in, got into office, I know that seems like a long time ago. Before Trump? Yeah. Before Trump. We had presidents um, before Trump? Yeah. Goddamn. <laughs> Yeah. The party told me that Trump has been the eternal president. Yeah. yeah. Well, it turns out there was a guy before Trump, and it was Barack Obama. He was a very cute black fellow, and he had a vice president, and that was Joe Biden. Whoa. I know. So a lot of people who were really excited about Obama, they're also excited about Joe. Wait, the same Joe Biden? This isn't like a Joe Biden Jr. thing? No, no, no. Listen, I know his youthful appearance has you thinking that it's but no it's the same guy this guy's gotta be like 30 or something 25 he's older than that he's older and he's wiser now so if you take that experience he had with obama but more wisdom more age more experience and know-how that's what we're looking at with joe biden also like he's the safest choice to stop trump you know if you're like kind of not totally aware of what's going on in the news you know, people like Obama, Biden. Sure. Why not? Like, we don't know how these people think in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, whatever these states were. Like, if you voted for this guy, Trump, we figure you're off the reservation as it is. We don't want to try to predict how you're thinking in Ohio and Florida. Like, you support weird old racists. Here's another weird old racist. Wait, no, hold on. Stop. You just said you support Joe Biden. Yeah. So actually, you believe now that the Republicans are all going to come to their senses in 2020. Everything's going to go back to quote-unquote normal. Oh, no, no, no. They're going to go more away from their senses, and that's why they're going to vote for Joe Biden. Well, listen, there's a difference between the Republican Party and the Republican leadership. So the leadership, you know, they're elected and they get in there. And what they really need is somebody to sit down with them, you know, have a nice bourbon with them, have a nice drink with them and just work things out. And I think that's what the American people want. If you listen to any debate, everyone says the American people just want us to drink. Sit, talk this shit out, and just get things done. And everybody who's listening to this podcast knows that's my literal favorite phrase. In fact, I have a podcast with Rachel Connors, a spinoff podcast. It's called Getting Things Done in Georgia. (laughs) You can see us on Twitter at Getting Things Done in Georgia. Yeah. In Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. And oddly enough, we don't get a lot of shows done, but (laughs) it's the... It's the it's the spirit. It's the it's spirit. The principle. Of it's the done. spirit. Exactly. <laughs> I know this is breaking K-Fob, but like I, I 
you know I had get get things done on my uh my bingo card, right? For the debate. I had it on mine too. <laughs> of course. God, the, the debate sort of, you know, segueing over into that. That debate fucking sucked, dude. Oh my god. Is that just me or was that like some boring ass shit? Listen, like I don't okay. even Brandon, were you, was that your best like 538 impression just <laughs> Is this your application for Nate Silver? No, no, yeah. no. Listen, when I apply for Nate Silver, I'll do a much better job. Like, I do know people who, I, I haven't asked them, but people just in my life who I can probably guess will be supporting Biden. So I can, I, if I really wanted to, like, pretend to, to like Biden, I probably could do a better job. But there's people, they don't use the internet. And they're older people and they're small C conservative. And they're like, well, I don't know what the heck is wrong with people who are voting for Trump. But maybe this guy, he seems to to speak to that group of people. And maybe they'll hmm. let this guy in here and the beatings can stop. Like, I don't know a lot of people who are voting for Biden because they want to cure cancer. I mean, it's like a, t- a defensive vote. So they just want the beatings to stop. And they're hoping that Joe will do it. It's not exactly the way that I would cast my ballot, but kudos to them, respect to them. I also think a lot of those people who are voting for Joe, they just think he'll win. They think he's a winner. He's got like winner sheen on him from being associated with Barack. But like you lose a couple of primaries and I think that winner sheen is going to kind of wear off of him. Mm-hmm. But however, I think I've said this before, people have a new every week, oh, this is going to really be the doom for Joe Biden. He's fiddling with his dentures. Yeah. He's getting told. So we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. People have been saying, oh, this will be the end of Biden since like before he announced. Yeah. And it's honestly kind of sad. And I've called this before, but slowly his support is being eroded. And there's a few polls, like there was a poll that showed Bernie was ahead eight points in New Hampshire. There are national polls where Biden's lead is slimming. And like, it's going to be death by a thousand cuts. Nothing's happening yet. Like, there's no ballots that are being cast. Yeah. Yeah. It's not even really basketball season yet. Football season just started. Nobody's thinking about voting that hard yet, unless you're a nerd. So it's mm-hmm. no big deal, man. Like this is yeah. like this is another reason why I complain about the Democrats talking about we need to get down to three people as soon as possible. Listen, like this is the time for people who are like on the periphery to speak and be heard and have their platform put in front of people and for people to make judgments based on that. It's time for people to go out and shake hands and kiss babies and all that shit and make their case. There shouldn't be a rush to anoint whoever's ahead right now as the final choice. No, I mean, we've, we've got tons of time. We all know that Admiral Joe is going to is gonna steam ahead in the convention. Gonna, did, oh, Sestak. Going to storm ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's important, too, that, like, to always keep in mind with this shit, that, like, a lot of this early support, it's not really all equivalent. Joe Biden's 30% of people in some random-ass poll is not the same as Bernie Sanders even getting a, like a relatively low number, like 10%, because his 10% of people, a lot of those people are fucking dedicated to his campaign. But but Joe Biden doesn't have that. Yeah, I don't think that the Biden people are going to be knocking on doors and phone banking. Like, listen, here's the thing. Yeah. Biden's support base is kind of off the grid in a certain way. It's mostly offline, extremely offline people. So I don't know what the Joe Biden volunteer offices are like. Yeah, how how is Joe Biden get, volunteers going to phone bank anyone? You know, they don't think their phone works because their grandkids don't call them. <laughs> 
it's a little bit slower for the Biden voters to do phone banking because they've got the little phones where you stick your finger in and you roll it around the phone. They got the rotary shits. So it takes them a few extra minutes to put the numbers in, but they get there. As fun as it is to dunk on Biden, to kind of continue what Leo was saying earlier in a way, like there have been these constant like, oh, this is going to sink Biden. That's going to sink Biden. I can't even say he had one of those moments at the debate. Like this debate didn't really go that bad for him, did it? He absolutely stumbled in a lot of places and he didn't show well, but he didn't show terribly. By the standards of Joe Biden, which is like very low basement standard. You know, this guy can hardly fucking get a sentence out and shit. Like, it's ridiculous. He doesn't, he couldn't even remember Obama's name recently. And Obama is like the only thing he <laughs> seems to be able to say sometimes. So you got to make sure that fucking your kids hear words and you got to put the record player on. First of all, like, oh, oh my God. Like, what a weird, pater- like, mm-hmm. if, if you're, if you're, I'm trying to be generous. I'm trying to find a way where that's an appropriate I just want to say I'm just laughing right now because I've gotten to know Brandon well enough doing this podcast that like when he's at this much at a loss for words, like Brandon is a pretty eloquent and like and and loud spoken guy who says what he wants. And when he's at this this much of a loss for words, because I'm trying to I'm trying to like that's for for people that didn't watch the debate. I'm going to read out prescient quote out to you by Joe Biden. We have. Make sure that every single child does, in fact, have three, four, and five-year-olds go to school. School, not daycare. School. We bring social workers into homes with parents to help them deal with how to raise their children. It's not they don't want to help. They don't want. They don't know what quite to do. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. sorry. Play, Play the radio. Make sure. Fuck. (laughs) make sure the television the excuse me make sure they have the record player on at night the 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 phone make sure kids hear words a kid coming from a very poor school or a very poor background will hear four million words fewer spoken by the time they get there so yeah make sure the television the phone uh they they gotta fucking hear words bitch okay so Statistically speaking, we have three Biden supporters who listen to this show. Statistically. Just if we do like a mathematical, yeah, a mathematical average. It's not but like realistically speaking. Okay. Maybe one. <laughs> Whoever that one person, there's one person who's listening to this is like, you're being unfair to Biden. So I want to bend over backwards mm-hmm. for a second and try to be fair to Biden. Oh, sure. Okay. Um, All right. Hearing communication in early child life is important to developing them linguistically and reading levels okay that's great mm-hmm. yeah the the question was how to like deal with the legacy of racism yeah yeah this answer has nothing to do with this question it's a complete non sequitur unless you're like saying that these parents boy uh they just don't know how to raise their kids and if they could read better then racism would be over if they just put on the record player more, just, you know, this racism would stop. I mean, this is kind of like his poor kids versus white kids quote, right? <laughs> In a way, like, it's sort of yes. relying on the yeah. same shitty logic that even if you give him the benefit of the doubt of his poor choice of words, the logic here. Right. If you read him in the best possible way, the statement is still like grossly paternalistic. You think nobody's mom, like in poverty, has read like a book on childcare? 
I was listening to the debate and then I realized I have a three, four, five-year-old and they're not getting, they're getting 4 million less words. I just noticed. (laughs) I just remembered I have a record player in my basement. So I went out and I got some fucking Joan Baez records also in my basement and I set it up next to my kid's bed. And you know, now they're hearing 4 million more words. Also, can I just say, like, a lot of kids, especially kids um, that are raised in, like, impoverished or working-class households where the parents are at work a lot and not at home a lot, Yeah, a lot of kids are shoved in front of the TV all day. The fact that he mentioned the television at all is just, like, kind of asinine to me. Like, we don't need to put kids in front of the TV more so that they hear more words, they're going to be more successful. No, like, they need exposure to actual culture you know to maybe like see some art participate in some art you know to experience other cultures these are the kinds of formative events they actually need you know like things that are going to socialize and stuff like that not just turn the tv on more jesus christ mm-hmm. it's this continual individualization of the of problems we're like oh systemic racism doesn't exist it's just parents not knowing to turn on the record player for their kids it's the liberal atomization of problems and of society where anything bad that happens is because individual people aren't doing it right it's not systems it's never systems the whole world is just a series of unplayed record players to these people. <laughs> yeah, it's like everybody's just not like actually taking those uh, those golden opportunities. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I feel like there's like this sort of assumption by somebody like this that like everybody has those Hollywood moments where somebody walks through the door and offers you an opportunity. And some people just say no because they're like stupid or inferior in some people's eyes and that would be like especially like the white supremacist kind of viewpoint or just because they don't they're too foolish and they're caught up in a system but like you know but they still had the opportunities or something like i don't it's the sort of mindset that informs the welfare queen myth where oh there's these people that just don't want to work because you know there's another myth that conservatives and even and some liberals have that there is somehow a massive reservoir an untapped reservoir of high paying jobs that everyone can get but nobody wants to try to which is you know factually incorrect it's just so exhausting it's this mindset that nothing is wrong with the system everything wrong ever has been the fault of people not using the systems correctly or not doing something right themselves and it's a poison it's a mental poison because you can never solve real problems by just yelling at people for not using the systems correctly the number one predictor of whether your child is going to have like a on grade reading level is just how much money you make it's zip code it's literally right your zip code which is how much money you make but uh your amount of time that you have to spend with a child the amount of resources that you have to both take care of a child on an individual basis and also take care of them materially which is a choice that like if you're not rich it's a choice you've got to make if you have two parents both working jobs and their kids are in school how do you expect them to to just read to their kids more who's gonna put on that record player Let's go a step beyond that even because like, yeah, not only are they less likely to get those grades, but then also statistically, we know that the opportunities that you're given in life don't even necessarily come from school that strongly. Like, you know, a lot of these studies have shown that like, again, like the likelihood that you end up in a cushy job and in a cushy position in life 
has more to do with where you started out than whether or not you get straight A's and go to a good college and get good grades there too. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's also (laughs) this mindset of, you know, giving people opportunities because, and you touched on this earlier, some people just don't want to be a boss and run a business and make a lot of money. They don't like to take risks and it's just not in their DNA. But like, if you look, the people that are starting businesses the most are, uh, Black women who go to college and they slide in, they've got a ton of student loans that they've got to pay off, but they start these businesses anyway. The problem is those businesses and all that entrepreneurial spirit doesn't go anywhere because most businesses flop because of material reasons. Like it's not that poor people haven't made it click like, wow, I should I should own a business. My goodness. I, well, well, why didn't I think of that? Someone else could do this labor and I could make a tremendous profit. It would take a little risk. First of all, you know why it's easy for a poor person to become an entrepreneur? Because in terms of their fucking life situation, they don't have that much that they're putting at risk. Like if you are like the only person in your family went to college, of course you're starting businesses because there's like very little downwards room for you to go. Yeah, It's the same if you like are not big into politics and you just look at pop culture. Okay, why are there so few women that are directing movies? Uh, boy, I guess they just don't know how to work a camera. They just never had any interest in having a creative, you know, they see the movie and they say, I would just like to be the girl that takes her clothes off. I would like not to have like my own creative vision and morality and things that I find Mm -hmm. cool reflected on the screen. It's just free choice. And once you've justified that everything is working based on free choice, and I guess I came a long way to get to this point, you have to, by default, start making these big assertions about people's inherent inferiority because what else is your answer to the numbers if everything is everyone's problem and if people can just escape circumstances that are shitty but they don't the logical conclusion of that is like you said some people are just inferior and it leads into casteist beliefs or it leads into a dark meritocracy at the very least like something mm-hmm. that i've i've brought up before a little bit on this podcast is the idea of communities of strength versus communities of vulnerability mm-hmm. and how like a lot of uh, neoliberal philosophy and everything basically to the right of it and and really not even just neoliberal but liberalism period as a political concept as it exists in the 21st century is based on this idea of what can you contribute and people who can't contribute you know they're not really seen as having value necessarily even if it's not Mm -hmm. necessarily from the perspective of oh they're worse than me because this is really important because like, yeah, no, we all know like, yeah, the white nationalists, they're out here. They think, you know, black people are inferior. Latinx people, they're inferior, you know, all this stuff. But that's not like the liberal mindset usually, right? But there is still this problematic liberal mindset regarding this stuff. And a lot of it, like I say, it's not necessarily that they fall into this thought of thinking these people are inferior, but just that they're not providing strength to the community and therefore... We don't really need to spend that much time thinking about them or talking about them. And one of the things that makes it really like fucked up is that usually white liberals carve out a space in that philosophy for people of color. And they say like in a kind of a paternalistic way, nobody is like showing them how to take care of a child. And that has its own problems, obviously, but it also leads to these professional middle-class white people having an extreme distaste for poor white people. So it's you've got no excuse not to 
be doing what I'm doing. You're supposed to be white. You're supposed to have white privilege or whatever. So they treat those white people that are struggling for material reasons, like the conservative id of how conservatives speak of black people, that liberal id, which is basically the same, except minus the racial context is just unleashed on other white people. It's like, well, you're a piece of shit. You don't have your shit together. And it kind of reflects in how people who are from the North talk about people who are in the South. Yes. Whenever mm. there's this political issue in the South, it's like, well, they're just stupid. They just don't know how to vote for themselves. They don't know. They're just rednecks or just whatever. Of course. And that, of course, affects people of color, too, because we're all in the same fucking state together. So when yeah. somebody, you know, has a law about abortion in Georgia and they say, well, those people are just fucking stupid. Like we're all fucking down here together. So that condemnation impacts everybody. Yeah, you see this a lot. And, and it's it's very damaging, you know, because like ideally a lot of working class people should be on the left and if you ask them about specific policies they they might actually you know say things like yeah i want universal health care i want unions you know we know in america that a lot of these things that the politicians act like are still questionable are actually statistically very popular even with people on the quote unquote right so like a lot of these like working class people ought to be more easily brought to the left and theoretically, that could mean the Democratic Party and like sort of liberalism. But the problem is, is that liberalism, yeah, pushes these people away. And we see this a lot in like the divide between sort of the ivory tower of academia mm -hmm. and people who, you know, don't necessarily have a lot of access to higher education um, or who choose not to access it for any reason, which is also valid. We talked about this a, a, a lot of episodes ago, very early on in our self-help episode, where the big concept here is the cult of self-improvement that liberalism bases itself off of. And that's what I've been stating and restating is that no problems are real in a societal sense, because anything that an individual faces can be defeated by that individual. You just have to be willing to improve yourself. And it's this cult of self-improvement, this dedication to the idea that anyone can do anything they want if they just try hard enough. And that kind of isolation doesn't just stop with material means. It also goes on to stuff like voting and being disengaged from that process when you know that the political system like has so little respect for you. Yeah. And like, let's get mm -hmm. real for a minute here. There's a really insidious aspect to this. Okay. Because a lot of people kind of get this thought in their head. I used to really think that like my personal acts of recycling and stuff were really super important, you know, and that kind of thing. And mm -hmm. I still recycle, you know, I still fucking, it's not that hard to do, yeah. you know, but I don't, I no longer think that it, it makes a big, huge deal. If I do all of these little things like exactly. paper over plastic or things like that. But here is the deal. It's actually not that hard for me to go out, talk to some people in my community, organize an effort to get plastic bags banned from all the grocery stores in my community. Now we're actually making a difference. Okay. But you're discouraged from doing something like that in part by this impetus that you need to do blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. the, the cult of self-improvement extends to society in that if there is a societal problem and in this framework, a societal problem is something a lot of people are doing individually that cumulatively the effect is bad. The solution is for you to stop doing the harmful behavior. And that's what leads to the liberal mindset of we solve climate change by going vegan and 
recycling and sorting our trash. And not to say that those don't help climate change, but companies, the system does a hell of a lot more pollution than you as a person can ever impact. And you're much better served, you know, while those things are good, you're better served agitating for societal change to impact those bigger processes that are polluting. That's true. But at the same time, like once you've gone into that world, then it suddenly becomes you can't physically fucking do shit except advocate for societal change. And when was the last time there's been a societal change in our society uh, that really like impacted regular people who don't vote all the time or don't watch the news every day or aren't connected with some shit that's going on in Texas? The idea of taking an individual action on a systemic issue that even if you don't have a lot of power over still has a psychological effect. When I was a kid, they used to do nuclear drills. You would go to a basement and you would like huddle in a fucking fetal position or whatever. Now, is it fair to say that that would not have prevented any sort of bomb that fell on a school? Of course not. But it also was meant to be like something to do for your uh, existential anxiety about the issue. So if somebody is looking around and they see like climate change, well, what the fuck am I doing about it? Well, you can't do anything. You can organize for systemic change. Uh, Mm -hmm. That'll do something sometime. So you've got to give people something that they can do. Like what I think is really critical here about quote unquote mass action is I think a lot of times people kind of feel like it's all or nothing, that they just trudge along doing their individual actions, you know, doing their recycling, doing this and that, whatever, or they have to join some kind of massive movement to make a difference. Guess what? Political movements of 10 to 20 people regularly change their local communities on like massive levels. You do not need a huge organizing base. Again, we're not talking federal here, okay? That's a whole nother ball game because 300 fucking million people spread out across 3,000 miles of land, blah, blah, whatever, you know? But in your community, in your state, city, or town, there's probably some shit that you would like changed, right? Everybody who's listening to this. Yeah. You're right now. Just take a moment. Think about it. There's something in your town that sucks, that isn't necessarily a big deal even, okay? Maybe parking sucks downtown or something, right? Whatever, okay? Find like 10 other people who agree with you and you can get that shit changed. It's really Mm -hmm. that easy because once you have an organizing base like that, you can collect signatures, you can do the work, everybody can pitch in four hours a week or whatever and people tend to think a lot, I don't have enough time for this stuff, whatever. If there's some organization in your town that you could get involved with that's already maybe trying to do something that you want and you think you're not good enough for them, guess what? They need people, period. Every organization out there needs manpower, human power, labor power, period. And it's not about can you come in and, you know, give us 40 hours a week. If you can do two hours a week, thank fuck somebody showed up. It's interesting. We started with the discussion of Joe Biden talking about child rearing. And now we've just all decided that uh, we need to collectively rear our childs in a union format. So abolish families, guys. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting how these conversations sort of pop up. There's something I kind of want to touch on that stems from this. And I want to go into this more on a later episode. But this whole kind of um, moving from the liberal mindset of 
you know, it's the Thatcher quote, there's no society, it's just individual people moving from that liberal mindset of this cult of self improvement through a better but less nuanced mindset of we only need mass action and everything you do as, a, as an individual is worthless into a more kind of nuanced reasoned view that incorporates both of those in that mass action is very valuable but there's a psychological effect as brandon said to individual action that we need to consider and individual action collectivized in small communities even like ken was saying is also important is that kind of movement from the modern to the postmodern to the the metamodern in that we've taken a narrative, we've deconstructed it and flipped it on its head, and then we've combined the deconstruction with the original to result in something that's ultimately better than either of the previous ones that oscillates between the first and second. And like I said, we, we can talk more about this. Uh, we're going to talk more about this in a later episode. Well, I, I shouldn't say going because we have a, a thousand and one episode ideas. But anyways, <laughs> uh, it's sort of a I thought a, a good example of that sort of process. But anyways, anyways, yeah. yeah, it has been interesting because of course you listening don't know this, but we, we had a whole plan for this episode where we were going to go through the debate and we were going to talk about uh, how everybody did. I feel like we have this caveat like a lot in our show. We're like, hey, listener, by the way, we were actually going to talk about this, but uh, <laughs> now we're here. Um, and like, yeah, like I also just had some like, you know, some spicy takes, whatever about the debate, blah, blah. But I think it's kind of hard to talk about a debate like this and to talk about like even jokingly supporting Joe Biden, things like that, um, without kind of just wanting to fall into a bit of a structural analysis, mm -hmm. particularly in regards to how you can do something to change this how we can all do something to change this and and get away from situations where you know we're we even have to talk about fucking Joe Biden. <laughs> yeah, how is the Joe Biden mindset harmful? How might we move into a better mindset is a much more interesting conversation to me than oh, Amy Klobuchar made some terrible jokes and Castro tried to swipe at Biden and everybody called it ageist. Like, who cares? Like, you're going to forget about that. You're going to be you're going to forget about the, the spicy content in a week or two. But these sort of structural critiques stay around for longer and are much more applicable. And that's in some respects what I like about this show. There just really wasn't much to say. I mean, it was it was a crap debate, like we already kind of said. <laughs> We, we, we talked about that, but it's boring. It's boring as hell. And I wanted to leave like halfway through. Yeah. If you watched it, you know, if you didn't watch it, don't. Please don't. It's two, it's two hours, 45 minutes. It sucked. There's going to be more of them. Just like skip ahead to the next one. Fucking mm -hmm. nothing to see here. Yeah. At least when Marianne was on there, there was somebody saying things of importance that we could kind of look into. But it's just kind of sad now. Bernie sometimes has that, like, you know, jumping in with the hot structural takes, but like, mm -hmm. he just wasn't on this episode. <laughs> I'm calling it an episode. Yeah, he wasn't really on on the debate either. Like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think um, at the bottom, at the bottom of the first hour, like first hour and 15, Bernie had the second lowest time spoken of all of the candidates which you know you can go from there and conjecture about the networks and trying to not have him be heard i have a little pet theory that 
the moderators in in debate one or two, I can't remember, tried to sick a bunch of the moderates on Bernie to try and discredit him and his ideas. And that didn't really work. So this time they just tried to ignore him and not have him talk too much. Warren was kind of shuffled in as the Bernie stand in uh, to defend Bernie-esque policies because they're on a not very thorough analysis. Their platforms seem roughly the same. If they're not, of course, but you know, I just hope Marianne gets into the next debate because I don't want to do a fuck another fucking debate stream. I'm sick of it. I don't want to do it again. It's not going to be interesting if Marianne isn't there and I can yell orb mom, orb mom at the screen when she pops up and she says stuff. Orbs, 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 orbs. Tom Stair is at the next debate. That fucking sucks, dude. He literally bought his way on. Oh, is he in now? Mm-hmm. In as of a few weeks ago. He just poured all of his money in there. I thought he was going to be in this one. I was no, surprised. he barely didn't make it. His last qualifying poll was a few weeks after the cutoff. And like, do you know a policy that Stair supports? Can you name anything about Tom Stair? Uh, funny enough, one of the other things I do know is that he came out as pro-reparations because Brandon alerted us to that. Oh, uh, well, t- it, it honestly seems like reparations is gaining ground as a policy of the more progressive Democrats, which is good. It's one of those things you have to start considering giving a nod to, you know, yeah. like immigration reform, Green New Deal. Now reparations is becoming one of those topics. And yeah, yeah I agree. Obviously, I've, you know, indicated before that i think this whole podcast is pretty strongly pro reparations i mean you know we're pro marianne so i guess we got to be pro reparations yeah at some point we should probably do like a whole episode just on that concept and why it's important maybe you know and just get into that but yeah i don't know the whole stayer thing's weird as hell yeah i don't know god this debate i just don't even there's really not much to say i guess if i'm gonna give a the win to anyone i think it was Probably Julian Castro. Yeah, Ca- Castro had some good swipes. From just from the perspective of like him staying in the race, I think he probably will continue. Who had the best showing in the theatrics of of debate? Like Julian Castro had a few prescient attacks on Biden. And the yeah. one where he called him out for his dupliciousness and like contradicting what he said two minutes ago was good. But there was nothing that rose to like a great moment, like something that you could really take away from it and sort of munch on it. I guess we munched on Biden's big words. <laughs> fuck up. Look, yeah. this conspiracy theory about Bernie, I mean, was he silenced? No, he's very old and his throat hurt. And so he gave short yeah. answers and they didn't call on him much. He's been given a fuck ton of speeches. Yeah, so he got up there and he was talking like this. Uh, so, yeah, he sounded like Christopher Walken out there. It was not his best night. So I think he just kind of relaxed, man, and it's okay. Yeah, you're probably right. He's going to be in the last three anyway, so he might as well fucking save his voice and... Yeah. There's this tendency for me to, there's this tendency for anyone really to like conspiratorialize when it's, it's the human, it's the human brain's um, want to recognize patterns. But yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, I'm definitely with Brandon on this one. Bernie was just seemed like he just needed to rest his voice a little bit. And, and like we say, he's in it till the end. Yeah, like he, he, he's not gonna, he's not gonna drop out before Iowa. Also, like he has the numbers, he has the mm-hmm. the money, he has the polling, he has the volunteers. You know what I mean? Like everything's in place. So, so why would he worry about debate three when there's going to be twelve flipping debates? 
Jesus, is there fun? Yeah. I know you guys have said it. These debates were not good television at all. Yeah. We're going to have to make nine more of these. Fucking Christ. Nine more of these. Oh, no, we're not. No, we're not. Listen, you guys know why I opted out? Like, here's some more inside baseball for people listening. (laughs) I didn't go to that second debate, like, for the live stream because I knew it was going to be fucking lame and boring. So I didn't go, like, and I I was tired. So between all of that, just no way. So the next time, I'm assuming that Marianne will get her poll numbers up and get in this next one. But if she's not, we'll just figure out what she's doing on that night and we'll cover it. Like, I hear there was a debate. I don't know shit about it. Let's move on. Let's fucking let's have a Jackbox night instead of covering the debate because fuck the debate. No, you're saying that as a joke. Kennedy's laughing. I'm dead serious. Uh, this was not. This was not no, good content. I'm, I, I'm serious too. Okay. Like let, let's 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 watch another fucking libertarian debate because I said this on the live stream, but the libertarian debate was amazing compared green debates better yet you guys are all talking about local action go find like one of these marianne watch parties just do a field report and let us know what the energy's like in those rooms um yeah i get anything uh, but that anything but doing that again we'll do some more debate watches maybe i think but like we gotta skip a few at this point Uh, yeah who gets in especially like if it's the same lineup for debate four plus stayer that's like the only change Oh god! I ain't oh, watching that. No, and, and no. The, the, the 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 stupid thing is, is that because Stayers in the field is now at eleven, and the DNC have said that if it gets over ten, they're splitting it into two nights, which means it's a five night and a six night, provided nobody else qualifies. Which means we get to hear each candidate speak a lot more than we did last time. Two nights of this. Yeah, it's gonna be fucking awful. But I'm definitely not going to watch both nights, you know? Like, I'll pick yeah. one night, if anything. Or maybe I'll pick no nights and just fast forward to debate five, depending on what happens. Maybe we'll play some fucking shitty game from 1998 and commentate it. We'll play Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you guys. We'll figure something <laughs> we'll, we'll, out. We'll play fucking TF2. I don't know. We'll play Star Fox 64. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys want to talk about uh, voting? Look, obviously our our electoral process could be better, y'all. Like mm-hmm. we kind of talked about getting involved already, but we should talk about the fact that depending on where you live, most places you've got like a month or less than a month left to register to vote. Mm-hmm. And if you don't actually want Joe Biden to be the candidate, you should probably register. <laughs> One person on our podcast is like, God damn it. Actually, they're saying, gosh, darn it. I supported these guys, but then they are then they unironically didn't like Biden. I'm gonna harass them in their Twitter mentions. <laughs> They're not gonna harass us. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. For real, Biden supporters are not gonna harass us. You know what they will do? They will register to fucking vote. Yeah, they will. It's these other folks that will like drag you for the people that are dragging the Biden supporters. I saw a thread on Twitter where somebody like I looked at the numbers and statistically, 23% of y'all are supporting Biden. So don't be shy. Where y'all at? Come get this dragon. It's like, listen, they're not on Twitter. They're on Facebook. <laughs> they're, not, they're, not, they're not here to they're be screamed Yo, really, really though, all the, the Biden supporters and the Pete Buttigieg supporters, they're on LinkedIn, man. They're out here running their lives. They're not worried about you. So given that, yeah, it's very important that you 
take this time and register to vote because last time there were a lot of people who got really passionate about Sanders and they went to vote and it turned out that they've got like a state-based voting registration and it's party-based. So if you're not registered with your Democratic Party when it's time and you've got to get registered six months in advance, then you just go, well, thanks. Uh, You're not enough of a Democrat to even vote in this election. And regardless of who you support, like even if you support Biden, who cares? Go register to vote and like have your voice heard. Unless you're voting for Trump, in which case you shouldn't register. Um, Stay at home. You should walk into the ocean. Who are the Trump supporters who are watching this podcast? We'll we'll, we'll set up some voting booths of our own and you can (laughs) vote your vote there. We have a free sandwich for you. We go down to Jimmy John's. Jimmy John's is a is a sandwich place for Trump supporters. I feel it has Trump supporter energy. You see the you see the fucking signs that they put up on the walls. I don't think I've been in a Jimmy John's in like close to like ten years, probably. Oh, oh God, Jimmy John's has these asinine boomer signs on the walls that are all about like effort and driving and going for it in your life, and you gotta work and cry babies get out of here, and it just it's just awful, and it, it ties back into the cult of self improvement that we were talking about. Plus, their sandwiches are just ass. Okay, okay, listen, okay. No, voting, no, no, voting, no, 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 fuck, fuck that, fuck that, no, no, we're not doing what? this, okay. I'm not just gonna let Leia slide in here and just fucking slam on Jimmy John's. And then oh, we're all are, fucking, are you a oh, fucking Jimmy John stan? Jimmy. All right, here's the thing. We have different views on Subway sub sandwiches in general. Yes, I like fucking Jimmy John's. I like Quiznos. I like Subway. I will not be erased. Sub sandwiches like are Subway? delicious. You, I like fucking I, Subway. You like, I like Subway. Subway. Like fucking I like how? Subway. This is why Leia called you a lib. Yeah. <laughs> I get it now. Subway Subway is the sandwich restaurant for people who like Biden but think that, <laughs> but for people wow. who like Biden but think that he's too extreme. Listen, meat, bread, cheese, and vinegar tastes good, period. Subway is fine. You, I've seen your fast food tier list. You have no sub sandwich places above a D. You've got Panera as an F. You've got subways and Panera is you've an got F. Jimmy like it's just the, the white people energy of Panera is too strong. Panera is definitely an F. Panera tastes great. What are you What are you talking about? When you guys come to Atlanta, I'm going to take you guys to a little place, an indie place called a Panera Bread. I'll have some nice, some nice cold, slimy chicken. And you guys will get some uh, some broccoli and cheese soup. I love some shitty cold soup. You guys are so. If the if you guys went to a Panera Bread and your soup was literally cold, that just seems like your personal problem. Maybe you were complaining about Panera Bread for like fifteen minutes. <laughs> this fucking lib shit, and then <laughs> for fifteen minutes, and then you went to the sit, and it's cold. <laughs> are you trying to cult of self improvement food? I'm about to shut you down hard, Brandon. Because my grandma, who is a part of the generation that is like lamenting that, uh, you know, millennials and Zoomers are killing like Olive Garden and Applebee's, she thinks Panera Bread sucks. And her taste of food is like literally as like middle American chain food as it gets. And she still doesn't like it. Who loves Panera Bread? My mother. (laughs) So I think we should on this podcast support (laughs) black women. She loves Panera. I love Panera. We love Panera. Period. It's, Damn it's, it. It's got, it's, got, it's got nice amenities. You're, you're playing the air. race card. We can't defend right. against that. Come on, from man. Bottom, 
from the bottom of the deck. <laughs> from the bottom of the deck. But no. <laughs> like this and whenever... video, you just flipped over some shit. Ah, oh, no. His mom likes Panera Bread. Just active activated your fucking trap card. <laughs> Whenever you go to a Panera Bread, it's full of black people. Everybody knows this as a fact. It's the official bread store of the black race. We all love it. And it's woke, actually. Panera Bread is woke. And so is Jimmy John's. <laughs> <laughs> Panera Bread is woke is the title of this episode. <laughs> Panera Bread is actually woke. Yeah. Okay, wait. Now let's talk about voting. Because Wait, hold on, no, <laughs> I don't know if you get the chance. Drop the mic on this finally. Okay, I don't listen. know. Maybe you do. You know, fuck it. Yeah, fine. You know I what? Know. You're Drop right. the mic. It, You're this listen. is the end of the episode. This uh, we can't salvage this. No, no, no. God. <laughs> no. We we have been no, not safe for wonks. No, yeah. no, no. Yeah. Stop Jimmy it. Johns. Stop it. Yeah. Stop it. We are, do we are doing this important. We are going to get in an important public service announcement, no matter how many segues it takes. Okay. okay? <laughs> Register to vote. We should talk about voting in a real way, like Let's later. Just, yeah, but we're just going to touch on a few things quickly yes. that like people should know. First of all, you can go to usa.gov slash register dash to dash vote. Yes. And find out what your voting shit is for your state. You can also go to vote411.org slash register. And this is just like an organization that helps people register to vote. If you're having trouble figuring this out on your own, go to these people. They will help you figure it out. They are very wonderful about this stuff. Also, if you are looking for some shit to get involved with, get involved with vote411. <laughs> yeah, vote411, uh, uh, Voto Latino, New Georgia Pride. You've got a bunch of them. New Georgia, yeah. obviously, we do that all throughout the state. Fair Fight is Stacey Abrams' new thing. Not only is that a thing that you can donate to or volunteer to get involved with to help people uh, protect their voting rights, but you can also, if you are having trouble getting access to your vote for whatever reason, you should go to her, her organization first, probably. Hers is one of the best organizations you could possibly go to to take your story and try to get it heard by some people that might actually get something done about it. And that's Absolutely. Fair Fight. There's also uh, Let America Vote is another one. Former Missouri Secretary of State Jason Kander started that one, but it's a national organization. Right. Common Cause. There's old school shit. League of Women Voters. Still around. Yes, and the ACLU, whenever yeah. there's a legal dispute about who gets to vote and why, you do not have to worry about paying for a lawyer because the ACLU will send like five people to the doorstep. Again, if you are having trouble, these are the people you need to talk to. And like not for 99% of the time, it's not even going to be that kind of production, obviously. But it's just important to know your rights and not be psyched out of them. And also voting is not just about who you stand for in a primary. It's about local elections. It's about, you know, we talked about how small groups of people can make an impact. Well, that's stuff like school board. It's stuff like city council where you might get a candidate who is maybe to the left of the norm that you might not think about on a state level. But there are people who are in your local elections, even if you are in a quote unquote quote, red state that have politics that align with yours and have interests that align with yours. And you have an opportunity to like turn off this podcast where we shouldn't talk about sandwiches and like help people who have values that align with yours get into power, which is yeah. very important. Get some people elected. Like, you know, uh, we've talked about this before, but just to, uh, again, remind people that DSA 
city council person in Denver, you know, getting that one person into the mix there ended the whole private prison system for Denver there, you know, they cut all those contracts. So you can make a difference in your local area by getting somebody elected to all those weird offices you don't think about, like the state arbiter of boots or whatever. And there's somebody that's that's working on that right now because it's th- that time of year. So get registered and look for ways to help. Yeah, just because the presidential election is already full in full swing, a lot of these smaller elections are just getting started. You could even jump into one of these and run. Like, <laughs> no joke. And just because the debate is filled with weird, boring people that are kind of tedious to listen to uh, does not mean that the local and state level is like that. I just wanted to shout out one more organization, um, Election Protection. You can call 866-R-VOTE. I don't know what the numbers that translates to. Yeah, are, just look at clever it. Things, but just look at it, figure it out. 866-R-VOTE. That's the Election Protection Group. And if you think that your vote is being denied or somebody that you know vote is being denied for any reason, anything from registration up to election day and like shady shit going on on election day, 866-R-VOTE. Call them. Let them know we need to protect our right to vote in this country. A lot of people went through a lot. Yeah. Absolutely. So So there's resources out there. Yeah. We can talk about the history another time, I guess. Yeah. But get your ducks in a row. We got elephants. Get your ass registered. You got about a month or less, yeah. depending on where you live. Get into this. Get into this. And even if you, you're in a state, I just want to say this real quick. Even if you're in a state with same day registration, do it now. Because you'll get there for that same day registration and they might try to deny you then. And it's just not worth the hassle if you are just listening to this and thinking about it anyway. Just do it now. It'll take you like two minutes. Go to vote411.org. Those guys will help you. It will take you like two minutes. Or you can go to usa.gov slash register to vote with dashes in between register to and vote. And you can do it all yourself. But yeah, like there are, there is not hard. It is not hard. And if you want to do more, like I said, get involved with some of these groups, get involved with some of these voting protection, voter registration groups. It's not too late for you to go around your neighborhood with a clipboard and some papers and help people register to vote and shit like that. And while you're in an action taking mood, please rate us on Apple Podcasts. Yes. Um, please donate to our Patreon. That's really the most effective activism you can do. We already yeah. got some donations. Yeah, Every time we set a goal and we think, hey, we'll get something in like four or five months, someone just swoops right in and helps us. And it's fucking wild. It's fantastic. Yes, it's been amazing so far. You're you're a wonderful audience. But at the same time, we can't just let up and be like, you're a wonderful audience. Okay, we're never going to ask for anything again because at this point, we still really need to, to grow this and we're still putting a lot of work in. And so it means a lot to us when the audience gives back by leaving us that sweet review and we read them all and we go, aw. Or sometimes we go, aw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyways... Yeah, absolutely. This has been another good, like episode 21. It was a real three act structure episode. (laughs) It's very fun. We had the first act with Biden, the cult of self-improvement and liberal thought. The second act with the the Jimmy John's detour. And then the third act with some wholesome (laughs) voting advice. Absolutely. That's the quality of theater that you, our audience, have come to expect, I am sure. And we will hope to provide it again for you next week when you... Join us again, or not even next week, but later this week. Whatever. You know what I'm saying. You know what's up. You know what's up. Anyways, we have been faithfully not safe for wonks. I'm Leia Rose for Brandon Buchanan. 
whose mom is a lib. Holy shit! No. <laughs> okay, uh, we're gonna talk. To you. Okay, fine. We'll talk about this later. Goodbye. Bye, everybody. See I'm Kennedy Cooper. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>